content, information, and opinions expressed during the related show are those of the show personalities and guest alone, and not those of Vic Canellis Media Group, its parent, affiliates, or stations. VCMG Live is not responsible for any content, information, or opinions expressed. User bears full responsibility for their reliance on such content, information, or opinions. Mike Balsamo and a packed house for you tonight. Going to be a very busy show. Ira's in studio. We're live. I, I can't believe some people you know have the nerve to, to think that it's crazy that you're not in Denver right now for Game 5 of the NBA Finals. You've been to six championship games in the last seven days, Ira. I think you've done enough. I, I, I think I'm like the standard is the standard. I mean, the fact <laughs> is is that Sunday I was in, in uh, Denver. Then I flew to Vegas on Monday, went to the game Monday night in Vegas. Tuesday was an off day in Vegas. Then Wednesday in Miami for the game for game three. And then game three in Sunrise for the NHL. And then game four in Miami. And then game four in Sunrise on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So that was pretty amazing. I mean, this isn't just like, and when you go to these games, it's not like going to a regular season game, like so you're going to go to a baseball game. This is a lot. <laughs> you got to get there earlier. The intensity is that it's just, it's all different than just going. I mean, I've gone the U.S. Open like for 14 straight days, but this is not comparison to that at all. No, definitely not. A little bit of a hike too from, you know, where we live in West Palm Beach to get to Sunrise and to get to downtown. Yes, well, that yes. too. But I mean, <laughs> even just the driving to go to the local games, it's not like a baseball game where you can just pop in and out. I think a little bit of this has to do with your newfound interest in playoff hockey and hockey in general, because now like, you've been to two Stanley Cup games. That's more than pretty much anybody three. I know. Three. One in Vegas. And oh, two yeah. Here, three. And I was at the clincher, the Carolina Panther clincher. There's a four total playoff with games. With the one I went with you. Yeah, four total playoff games in two weeks. It's it's tremendous. I, I'll tell you one thing, though. It, it I learned something though. I don't think hockey fans and basketball fans are are they they're different. Like the people sure. at the Panther games didn't really care about the Heat, and the people at the Heat didn't care about the Panthers, which I was a little surprised with a little of that. But the Panther fans were very. I sat on uh, the first game on went on Thursday night next to a gentleman who I was so fortunate. I'm looking on the tickets, and it's like third row right behind the net and he sold it for like it was like four hundred dollars which is way everything above it was way more than five that. times more five, four times, and i'm like this has to be a mistake so i just bought it i'm like i can't believe it and when i got sat there i said do you know that you sold this he goes i just my girlfriend at the last minute said she didn't want to go and i just wanted to go someone who really wanted to go to hockey and da 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 and that's all i'm like great and i like i bought him two beers and whatever and mm -hmm. it was and it was great but he had been going to the game since they came there like for like 20 some years and he was when they won. He was he was crying. He was mo he was mo emotional. Mm -hmm. Like this is this was. I, I was I was so impressed with his passion and enthusiasm for the game. And I learned that the first two rows are super duper expensive, and then the third row is a good bargain for it. But that was a great. I mean, I've seen now hockey from all different angles. One, you and I went to the game, which I didn't like behind the net, sixteen rows up. That one I saw on the third row, which I love behind the net. And then I saw in Vegas mid 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 Vegas, like twenty rows up um, in the center ice, and then. And in the last game I was at was up higher, but that you, but every one is you get to see great views, just tremendous. Yeah, and when you do get up a little higher, you can see the entire ice too. Whereas when you're close to the boards, action right in front of you, you can't really see. You know, if the if the puck's against the wall, who's got it? Things like that. There's it, disadvantages and advantages to every seat. But in, I think in it, what arena. it makes it. I think that's one good thing about hockey is that the seat, the total pricing, because it levels out. There's tickets like in basketball and football. There are areas of that. Are not going to have value. People are going to say those are too cheap. We're not going to buy behind the basket in the top row. But in hockey, that could be a better seat. So the fact is that it actually levels the pricing a little bit. Now, I know people are out of Vegas tomorrow or they're not going to say there's any leveling of prices because the prices are through the roof. But that's what. This is Ira on Sports True Oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. You can follow along, Ira, like we just said, six uh, finals games in seven days all across social media at Ira on Sports. You must be now, though, you know, before we start talking about all these games, thinking to yourself, like, what's going like, to. I don't want to say this, you know, but as of tomorrow, both of these could be over, both the Stanley Cup Finals and the NBA Finals. What are you going to do? Go to baseball games three days a week from now until football? <laughs> Last night I turned the Yankees-Red Sox were on. I couldn't get into it. Like, they, when you're at these games, 
and I see when you see it on TV, the intensity. Like, there's no smiling. There's no joking around. This is completely different. I don't know how I'm going to watch regular season basketball next year. Mm -hmm. Forget about anything, because this is not what I watch during the regular season. This is completely different. And in the hockey, I don't watch a lot of regular season hockey, but clearly this is totally different yeah. than what's happening. And you can see the intensity. There's no joking. There's no smiling. These people realize that what they're doing now will live forever. They, If Denver wins tonight, they haven't won in 47 years of the first title. That banner is going to go up on the wall. Like they, they know what they're trying. They're here in this position. If Miami can come back from 3-1 and the Panthers come back 3-1, these players will live the rest of their lives talking about this. This is how big these games are. And I, the players know it. And the magnitude of the moment, they know it. And I think that's what's so cool about it it's hard to go watch Yankees Red Sox in the middle of June it's just hard there's no there's no magnitude the game's over so what and I think that's what and that's what I it's gonna be hard for me to watch sports <laughs> you know at the US Open golf this weekend and then after that then it's gonna be really weird it was hard for me to not watch Yankees second baseman Glaber Torres go cover second base and allow uh you know Boston to win that game last night regardless no what you said it makes total sense and when you're watching the warm-ups you can see the pictures uh, of uh, you know all these warm-ups at Ira on sports nobody's smiling nobody's joking Joking around, they're dialed in. Everyone is completely focused on what they're doing, whereas any regular season game is nothing like that. So I agree with what you're saying. And, and I think even during the games, you can see like in hockey, whenever there's a break in the action, they're going, they're, they're strategizing, they're talking. They realize the moment. They realize how important. Now, that's one thing when they say about live golfing, golfers getting paid. These players are getting paid lots of money, but they really want to win. Like they really want this. Like you can just see Struess. And I mean, I think that's where maybe Struess and Vincent, some of the Heat players, they realize this is, you know, this is so big. I think that is an issue with them. But I think you, I just love the, the intensity to me um, being at these games, feeling it in the arena, feeling it from the fans, feeling it from the players, knowing what the stakes are at, and knowing that what they're doing now is going to be something that people will talk about when they look up on the ceiling 30 years from now. People are going to say, I was there. I won that championship. And the Eastern Conference Finals banner is not as impressive no. as the World Champion banner. Nobody remembers second place. No. So let's get into it. Um, game one and two were in the books by the time that we had last spoken. We were all knotted up. And I think that most Heat fans, us included, felt like, all right, like, we, we stole a game in Denver. Like, we got to keep it rolling from here. And it didn't look so good, uh, you know, as the series continued. Well, like, game three, you know, that's Wednesday. You know, that was on Wednesday, Wednesday night. Um, Denver was favored by three and a half. I thought the Heat felt like they had figured out Denver. Now, remember, Denver had, one, swept the Lakers. They had won the final two against the Suns. They were they won the first game against the Heat, and suddenly they lost at home. And now if you're the Heat, you're like, we just took a game from a team that hadn't lost all playoff series. Mm -hmm. you got to start to feel confident about that. Um, the atmosphere was just amazing at the place. I mean, I was in the upper deck. I did not go below. It, it, the ticket prices was the first uh, game since 2014, finals game, since LeBron's games. And uh, so it was It was just, I remember when 2020, they were in the bubble, so they, there was no tickets were there. Um, celebrities who were there, G DJ Khalid, Neymar, Shakira, Magic Johnson sat next to Wayne Wade, Jimmy Goldstein, the Ramila Lolly, the woman that you see wear the fancy dresses. But... I just felt like that, like you could see the fans actually got in there early. <laughs> they were there. They were, all, they were all dressed white. They're not, people think, are they giving white shirts? I don't know. People know to wear white. They just know they have to wear white. They would just give towels out. But really, this game is going to get known for Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. They, Murray, they, they both played like 45 minutes. They scored, uh, Murray scored uh, 34 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. Jokic had 32 points, 21 boards, 10 assists. So it was a triple-double with 30 points from two players. Sounds impressive. How about there's been 130,000 regular season basketball games, and I don't know how many playoffs. I'm trying to get this thing. That's the first time this has ever happened. Not just the playoffs, not just the finals. In the history of the NBA, a triple-double with 230 points. That's how... I mean, it's just mind-boggling. 130,000 games, and that's the first time this has ever happened. And think of all the great stars, Jordan, Pippen, I mean, Shaq, Kobe. This is the first time that ever happened. Mm -hmm. Absolutely amazing that they put out that performance. And the one thing that the Duggets have been able to do is that they're always finding other players. Christian Braun, who I've criticized, he, you know, he could be one of the, he could be the fifth player to have won an NCAA title in with Kansas, which I saw last year when I was in New Orleans, and then win the NBA title the following year. There's only four other players have done it. He had played 19 minutes 
was seven for eight for 16 points. Aaron Gordon had 11 points and 10 boards, but you know, the other Nuggets struggle, Michael Porter Jr., who is one of their superstars, he is getting paid $35 million a year. He only scored two points, one for seven shooting. Jeff Green, 17 minutes, four points. And even Bruce Brown, who we saw great in game four, but in game three, he only had five points. But Mike Malone is a great coach. He's not going to stick with Michael Porter Jr. if he's doing, I mean, you could see that he is, Spolster has met his match because he's not going to say, okay, well, Porter Jr., I don't want to upset him. We're paying a lot. So it's like, you're only going to play, uh, you know, some. so how, you know, how many minutes? It helps to be deep, but yeah. Yeah, but, but we have other players that come in. We're not going to just have you shoot us out of these games. We're going to have you, and also his hustle. There was a play, I know where they took him out of the game because it was a play with the rebound. He shot in the corner. He was just standing there and the ball came. He didn't even go for the rebound. And I don't think he was taken out from missing shots. It was that he wasn't hustling and they took him out of that game and then he played better the next game but he's not shot well this entire he's a 17 point game score and he's averaging seven points for the series um miami love started and and the whole story has just been jimmy butler the 11 for 24 one for four shooting 28 points average game you know and bam had 22 points and 17 boards he played very well again but where the started was happening was vincent had uh, had seven points, two for ten shooting. Strews twenty four minutes, one for seven, and it was just it was one of these type of games where the the, the Heat just could not get the shooting well. I mean, they shot uh, eleven for thirty five from three, but it was really you know this is like old school basketball. Denver made five threes, they five for nineteen, but they still dominated the Heat, and mm -hmm. that's what that shows back like just you know because the way Jokic plays, he starts to rebound to fifty nine to thirty three. I mean, in the game it was like twenty four twenty four after two. Um, Bam had a dunk to take the lead. And uh, then it was like 29, then at halftime, uh, then it was suddenly Denver got out to a 14-point lead and cruised to the end. I mean, it was like one of those things where it was like with their easy and very easy victory for them. But I just cannot gloss over how great Jokic is, how... When he gets the ball, they, they he brings the whatever they're having trouble. They either use Gordon or Joker to bring it up instead of Murray. They can he dribbles the ball. He his passes are unbelievable. The pass to the pass. He's selfless. He takes the right shot when he has to shot. He understands it. I mean, I'd love to see him and LeBron play. They're so intelligent. Someone they ask Bolster, they go, "Have you met your match in Jokic in terms of he's out coaching you on the floor?" It's not. It's supposed to laugh. It's like I'm not out there playing. But the point is that the zone doesn't work against them because whereas the Heat put a zone up and say, okay, we want you to do this. Like the Heat have been dictating to Milwaukee and to Boston and even to New York to some extent, oh, Julius Randle, we want you to shoot these stupid threes. And Jason Tatum, we want you to drive and do stupid drives. And Giannis, we'll rather you take... And, and they set the trap and these other teams do it. Denver doesn't do the trap. Denver's like, we're not, we see the trap. We know what you're trying to do. We're not going to let you do that. You want to put the zone, we're just going to pass the ball inside and dunk the ball. Mm. Like we're going to work it. They are smart. And that's the one thing I feel bad for the Heat. I was thinking about this. If they would play, this Heat team would have played the Lakers in the bubble, this Heat team might have won. If this Heat team would even played Milwaukee or the Suns a couple years ago, I think they would have won. I don't think they beat Golden State last year. Golden State was smart. But this team is good, but they are going against a team that is very, very talented and also very, very smart. And I think that's what hurts. Uh, hurts them. Uh, one other point from the game is that Udonis uh, ha uh, Haslam in his 20th and the final season set a record. He became the oldest player to appear in the NBA Finals, breaking the record 42 years by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So that was... He got a shot attempt, too. Uh, yeah, they fed him the ball. <laughs> he got in the game at the end. It was weird. It was like... But it was that aspect of the game. It was That was the one game It was like, wow, you're like, now it's... You know, now they jumped up to 2-1. That was the game I thought that he could take up to go to 2-1. Put, put, because the Nuggets haven't trailed this whole series. They were up 3-0 against Minnesota. Then it was 3-1. They won. It, they were up 2-0 against Phoenix. It was 2-2. Then they made it 4-2. And then they were up against the Lakers and, and Cruz. So you just want to put some pressure on them, make them, and they couldn't get that game. So that was key. So moving into game four, obviously you've been to this arena, I don't know what, 15, 20 times this season. Any issues here getting tickets, getting in and out with it being, you know, could be potentially the last uh, playoff game here? You know, I decided, it, it's one of these things when I decided to buy the tickets, I paid a fortune for my ticket. But I sat first row. I didn't want to go even more because... I sat first row upper deck, and I felt that was good because no one stands in front of you. And I'd rather sit first row upper deck, it's just me, than sit in the corners. So, like, for the same price, I could have been in a corner high, but I'd rather, I, they, we're going to talk about this in the game. There is so much stuff on that basket. Like, the basket, when you go in hockey, they don't put stuff on the on the net. There's a water bottle, there's a little, whatever. The, the basket is like, it, 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 there's, there's cameras Timers, on cameras. Timers, cameras. Timers, cameras, advertisements, signs, <laughs> like, anywhere. So, to me, if I can't see through it, it's 
you just it's not just like the old days when you go to a gym, the basket would hang down. So I like that. I actually loved my seat. I had a chance, the first game, I was able to move down. Someone I knew let me go sit down in the second half. And in this game, I actually had the same chance to move down. And I said, you know what? I really like this because no one was in my way. I could see the whole view. I was dead center on in the first track. And I really liked I mean, I enjoyed sitting in that seat. So that was good. Mike McDaniel, Dolphin coach underneath the basket. Uh, Neymar was there from mm -hmm. the soccer player. That was just, a, and then. Uh, Jimmy Butler was hanging out. Well, greeted him, right? I have a good picture of that on, online. And the Cavender tw twins, Haley and Hannah, were out there in the first row. Dwayne Wade was there again. Chris Tucker was there. And then we're going to talk about this. I don't know. Should we talk about this right now or do we talk about it later? McGregor, McGregor. Yeah. Do you want to do it now? Sure. Okay. I, it, I don't really know what happened because I've only seen the, the after clips. You know, obviously you were there live. But what happened? He knocked out the. No, it's worse. <laughs> this, they talk about the Heat culture. So, this, and this is where if the Heat lose the series, it's not the reason, but this is, they have to clean this up. So in the third quarter, with 7.50 to go, Connor had not been there the first half. So he comes out with a sweatsuit, this red velour sweatsuit that looks like kicking and screaming that Will Ferrell used yeah. to wear, that crazy sweatsuit. So he comes out of the sweatsuit, and he's sitting in the front row. But he's making a whole scene. It's like other celebrities come. They're not high-fiving everybody. He feels like he has to go and do everything, which is great. But, you know, he's like Conor McGregor or whatever. They bring him out with Jason Jackson at 7.30. Now, the lead is like seven or eight points or eight points at that point. The Heat had called a timeout, and um, he comes out, and I thought he was going to be – we've seen this. How many games? DJ Khalid comes out with the white towel, waves it. Mike McDaniel comes out with the white towel, waves it. We've seen it in the Panther games. Marino and Brooks Kepka and the, they're motivating. You're, let's go heat. Let's go eat. So he starts talking to him, like an interview. And I'm like, wow, this is a little weird. Like they turn the music off. There's no music. So you're killing the vibe of the game. Already, people, you know, they all I would, of course, ban people from eating at halftime of finals games. Like, stop the, don't let them get out, bring the food, drop the food, whatever you have to do, don't let them leave. So the fans were just coming back to their seats. So you had that. And then he starts talking about like and I'm like what are you doing we have promotion we're partnering with you and it was an advertisement for title which is title is like this recovery spray where you spray if you're injured so he goes on and it goes on and on and this is the timeouts are three and some minutes and he's going on for a minute about and the fans are realizing this is commercial this isn't like oh this time this event you know where the fans are going to dunk the ball or shoot the ball is brought to you by Chase Manhattan or JB Morgan Bar. this is this is just an ad where Conor McGregor's talking it was so bad the fans were booing it was endless booing then finally they said, oh, here's Bernie. And they did. The Bernie came out. And then they start tussling. And then he hits Bernie. And the Bernie falls down. And then he punches Bernie again. And takes him. And then he ends up going to the hospital. They actually dragged Bernie off the court. And then realized he was that injured. But then you didn't see Bernie. I noticed that I didn't see Bernie the rest of the game. <laughs> he knocked him out. But the point is, at 730 in the game, what are you doing stopping the action? Like, you won't even do this for a regular season game. I've been to 17 of the playoff games. I haven't seen anything like this anywhere. I don't remember ever this. And I thought back in 1998 when I saw the Chicago Bulls play the Utah Jazz in Game 5 of the NBA playoffs. So this was the game that he, the Bulls were up 3-1. They were playing the Jazz. Malone scored, was scoring 40 points. Jordan was scoring near 40. Rodman's in the game. And the Bulls were losing in this game. And it was so tight. This was the NBA. This, this ended up being Michael Jordan's final two minutes of a Chicago Bull in the United Center. I mean, this you could not get bigger than this. And with two minutes ago, they decided to have a promotion where hot dogs dropped from the ceiling. And everybody's trying to get the hot dogs, and they're falling on the court, and Malone is kicking the hot dogs. And I'm thinking, this could you not just put the hot dog promotion? Could we just forget the hot dog? Like, this is history. Do it at halftime if you have to do, do it. Do it another time. Do it next year. Have the hot dogs. <laughs> I would, like, someone, if I was, if my company, I would say, do not do the hot dog promotion with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and Michael Jordan's the great goat of all goats game. And then I'm thinking, that was stupid. But this was ridiculous. Who's idea was it to come out for Conor McGregor to come out and talk about title his recovery spray in the middle of the court was that it just in it was beyond belief and I looked at Pat Riley and I'm like he's like looking like what's going on and then you're looking at, at uh, Mickey Harris and the manager the, the owner and, and and he had his hands like on his head I, I just couldn't believe it was Someone not lost just their job it was not just hitting the mascot but to bring him out for this promotion was ridiculous and then it got worse with two minutes to go Bam dunks the ball. Now, Bam, this was another crucial period of the game. Bam dunks the ball and hangs on to the rim. And because he hung on the rim, the rim was dislodged. Well, the Heat were, were this is where the Heat are trying to make their charge. They're trying to come back. You don't want a delay. This is the Heat are, are ready to come back. This is the big thing. 
and they they could not get a ladder for five minutes. That's why there was delay. They wanted a ladder. Like how many high school games do you go to? There's a ladder there anywhere you want. You could find ladders everywhere at these games. Like you gotta realize what's it? We have the greatest players in the world. You have this stanchions with all this electronics. You would think the ladder would be right there. They don't have a ladder. I mean, how many wrestling matches do I see where there's somehow some guy goes under the ring? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're always under the ring. There's always a ladder <laughs> that happens to be in the ring that someone pounds on someone's head, that type of thing. And I'm like, how incompetent? And then the people who are fixing it, they have these guys in suits. Like when you're trying to fix something, I don't want someone in a suit climbing up on a ladder trying to fix electronics. Like where's the maintenance? Like the entire breakdown in that third quarter of the Heat, and they was outscored. What 29, 21? It was they scored 20 points with a terrible quarter. They were outscored by eight points. But I'm saying there, you say Heat culture, which means that every detail of an organization matters. Everything we do matters. In the key moment, they didn't have the. They got it. That was awful. I thought that was just. So there's my point about Conor McGregor. I know we went totally off topic on this, but I think that was a bellic of what the Heat have got to clean that up. You can't have that in a game like this and to come up with these stupid ideas and it affected the game. It affected, there was there was a delay because of Conor McGregor. It was a delay because the fans weren't into it. And then you have a delay because of Bam Adebayo. I've never seen that in a game like that where you have, because the basket was staunch and was whatever, messed up. This is Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Follow along with Ira on social media at Ira on Sports. Let's talk about the game itself here. And one of the standouts here is going to be Aaron Gordon and this is like an interesting situation, Ira, with with Gordon in particular, because what was he drafted? Number three or number four, four yeah, overall right, right. to to Orlando, and this is a guy who was you know supposed to be running a team himself, whereas he signs to go play in in Denver and be like you know the fourth or fifth option, but he's going to show up, play defense, be a team player. Says a lot of his character, but he was able to show what he can do, you know, when he takes charge in a game like this. Now you saw my pictures on Instagram of him, like when he warms up. He and Michael Porter Jr. before the games, they wear these Mike White muscle shirts. I mean, he looks like he could go to the dog. Like Mike McDaniel would like go up to probably Mike Malone. Can you play linebacker? Yeah, like we. What's he doing in September? Like we've had baseball. You know, Deion Sanders played baseball and football. We had Bo Jackson baseball and football. But Aaron Gordon looks like he could step onto a football field tomorrow. I mean, he. These pictures. He is so. He's so big. He's so strong. So chiseled and like Porter too. But but you're like wow. I mean, and then and he's so talented. I mean, the thing is that his attitude, the interview of the game is like, look, I'm here, came here to play defense. I came. That's the selfless nature of this team is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. When you look at the Warriors with Jordan Poole and all the problems they had with him and scoring and this, and then you look at this. I mean, this team is like they're such a true. It, it, it is. They are a true team. But he came out to play. He had 11 for 12, 15 shooting, 42 minutes, uh, 27.7 rebounds, six assists. And it was one of these games where Jokic was in foul trouble. He only scored 23 only 23 <laughs> points, 12 <laughs> boards and four assists, three steals on a block. Terrible so that's a game terrible game. Jokic. And Murray was five for 18 with 15 points and 12 assists, and he's the first player in NBA history to have four 10 assisted games in the first four games of the finals. Bruce Brown was amazing. 30 minutes, and he scored 21 points, tremendous. Porter was a little bit better, um, only 11 points, KCP seven points. Christian Braun and Jeff Green really didn't do that much, but it was one of those things where they, the, the uh, Nuggets shot 14 for 28 from three, and they shot 50% for the two. And the Heat, it's just Struess and Vincent again. Vincent, 19 minutes, one for six, two points. Struess had zero points. And Butler had a game again, like the 25 points. But it's like Butler needs to score 50 or 42 or 48. He can't do the 25 points. And Bam had 20 points, 11 boards, and seven turnovers. And uh, But it was one of those things where the first quarter was even, 21-20. And it was the lowest score in a four quarter of a finals game in 24 games. The second quarter, the Nuggets went up four going at halftime. So you're like, but it, you're watching the game. And it's like the Nuggets didn't really play well. Jokic didn't really play that great. The third quarter we talked about was a mess. And then you go up to the fourth quarter, the Nuggets are up by 13. So that's what I, I was like. The Heat really needed to be in striking distance going into that fourth quarter, not down 13. But you know the Heat always come back. It's like fourth they quarters have been great. They, they've been great. Jokic starts the fourth quarter. He has three fouls. They No one scores for two minutes. Duncan Robinson has a three, which he did the game two. You know, with these big threes that comes out of nowhere. is amazing. And then at 941, Jokic fouled. Bam, had four fouls. And then the next possession down, when he's coming out the floor, they call it an offensive foul. And I, look, I'm a Heat fan. I'm rooting for it. But that was ridiculous. You can't get Jokic, the star, on these two fouls to give him five fouls. So he sits out. So now you're a Heat fan and you're down 10. Jokic's out of the game. There's 10 minutes to go in the game. You're like, this is going to be great. 2-2. Two, two. We're going to make this great comeback. Bam scores. Butler's on a driving layup. Suddenly, 8.30's left. The lead is only five. 
But this is where Joe Mazzola of Boston doesn't call the timeouts and Budenholzer doesn't call the timeout. Mike Malone reads his team. He reads his team, calls the timeout, gets everyone together, stops, and brings that play for Jamal Murray. They run it. Jamal Murray comes, drains a three. Like, that's coaching. Like, that's what you mm -hmm. do to stop these runs with the timeouts. Perfect. You don't just call a timeout, but you call the timeout, call the right play, and it works. Nuggets had a turnover, Murray had a three. And then Butler responds with a two. Gordon made this great basket for, a, for, to, to, for another two. Duncan Robinson made a... You you know, drives for another basket, and uh, every time Duncan Robinson scores, Mike Malone gets mad. Like I think he's, telling, <laughs> I think there's some reason. Like you can just see the the, the you know his face, and then Jeff Green, and that leads like six. And Jeff Green, who had made one, took one shot and made one shot in the fourth quarter, makes that shot. The veteran Jeff Green, like 12, 13 years, makes this great shot. And then Butler had two free throws to cut it to seven, but Bruce Brown a big shot to make it nine. Robinson makes a shot to get it to eight. Bruce Brown shoots another one and one and gets it up to like 13 at that point, and then. And uh, Brown made another, I have this great picture of Brown driving for a driving layup. But it, all this without Joker. Only points between Joker and Murray the whole fourth quarter were the three that Murray had. Is that amazing? So everyone says, oh, this team is just a two-man team. Well, they won the fourth quarter without Murray and Joker doing really anything except for that one shot. And that's, you got to give Calvin Booth, who's your general manager, credit. He brings in people like Christian Braun and Bruce Brown and the right players, just like the Heat do. Players that know their roles, that can step up and make the big plays and, and are, are not upset when they don't play so much but can step into a game and that was just absolutely that fourth quarter was devastating and the game's over and the Heat fans were just I mean it was 3-1 and that was that was crushing absolutely crushing it's Ira on Sports Drool the channel on Mike Balsamo it's 729 so what that means is we are one hour away from the tip off of game five what are we looking forward to here in this game and what's the path you could see you know what has to happen for Miami to get that second win and extend this series and keep themselves alive. So Gabe Vincent, he averaged just 9.4. He's all these undrafted players. Gabe Vincent averages 9.4 points on the year. He had 16, average 16 in the Boston series. And then the first two games of the series is 19 and 23. But since then he was three for 16, one for 10 from three in his last two games, which is it's not going to Max Struess, he averaged 11 points during the year, 14 in New York and 10 versus Boston. But this series, he's five for 31 shooting. So clearly, Vincent and Struess have to shoot better. And it really comes down to the shooting. They have to shoot. And Butler is going to have to come up with a monster game, yeah. too. So you, I think it has to be Butler has to come up with a monster game. Uh, Aaron Gordon has played well. But if he misses the threes, you saw in the Lakers series, they sort of made him a three. But he's smart enough now he's not missing the threes. But I'm ner Michael Porter Jr. cannot, if he starts to play well, then he'd have no chance because he's been playing terrible. He averaged, he's getting 31 million this year, 34 the next, 35, 30, 40. He is a monster player in terms of whatever. He's their second, third, by far third best player. He's only shooting three for 16 from three for the series. I mean, he averaged 18 points in regular season. Now there's a rumor that Hero could come back for this game. Yeah. I put here, Tyler Hero, Tyler Hero, Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero has played 19 minutes his entire playoffs. It, he averaged 20 points a game. He is their second, third leading scorer on the team, second leading scorer really for the season. If he comes back, what? who knows? But the thing is that the Heat... They, I would say that he'd have no chance, but I saw when I went to Boston, I'm like, they have no chance of that game, and they pulled that out. I've seen them, when they're down 16 to Milwaukee, they come back in the fourth quarter, and I'm like, this team, it seems like, and I, but Malone, what scares me about this is this. Malone realizes that and is not going to let this team know that. He said, I, we have won nothing. This is we our biggest you know, enemy is apathy. Jokic is like, what have we done? Nothing. This is if I lose, it's the worst thing. You know, like They have this attitude where it's they, they are not going to be tricked into this. When Boston went back, it was 3-3. They felt like they had won this. Like This was the coronation. Yeah. We were down 3-0. We made it 3-3. We come back home. We win. They thought the game was like the game was an afterthought. They were going to give the trophy, the Eastern Conference trophy to them, and they were like, thanks, everybody. They're like, wait, we have to play a game? We have to go out here and shoot shots and then when they started the game got tough like I don't I, I see that Malone is not going to let it so that's what concerns me about this game if any team could ever come back it would be Miami but I don't know I'm very I can't predict it one way or the other but it's just to watch Jokic and, and Murray and, and, and Mike Malone and, play, and Aaron Gordon it's just the team they're, they're they are a mirror of the heat in terms of their fire and drive but they just are more talented yeah it's a lot of things are going to have to go right for them to win tonight, win the series. I think that Denver's going to want to close it out tonight. I mean, of course they are at home. Don't even let this go back to to, to Miami. So, I mean, it, it, he's backs are against the wall, obviously, but I think that with the elevated Denver team, like you said, they're acting like they haven't won anything yet, as opposed to the Bostons of the world who we just won three in a row. We're not losing tonight type of thing. 
I don't know. It's going to be a tough. And game. their coach, and he just keeps preaching it and preaching it and preaching it and saying that. And he's like, I don't want the people to like. He he's he's very Nick Saban like in terms of a coach, in terms of like downplaying everything, Belichick downplaying everything, not getting so raw. Like, I think if they had a coach that was more like, raw, raw, this is great, this is amazing, oh, we're, we're great, Everyone, I think that would have been, but he's not, Mike Malone realizes how close he is. This team has been together. They've been playing together for seven, six years, Coach Murray, Joker, whatever. They've been through this. These players are, they're young, but they have experience, which is really the most dangerous thing. They're 27, 26, 25 years old, but they've been together for four or five years. KCP has won a world championship with the Lakers. So what I'm saying is I wish the Heat, again, another series I think this could be the year to win a title I really believe they could have beat these other teams they could have worn them down I, I know they could beat Milwaukee I know they could beat well, yeah they've already the beaten some really good teams right and I think this this team has it except that they are going against the one team that is might be just the crypto you know just too tough for them and but I I, I can't wait for tonight to yeah watch I think it. that's well said I mean this is Denver's year it's looking like and if they win tonight they're, they're just proving that Iron Sports Truel the channel Mike Balsamo here as well let's switch gears to the NHL I already got to take in a couple of Stanley Cup games over three, the. Oh yeah, three, I know. Three, three. <laughs> Three's a couple, right? <laughs> uh, over the last week, when we last talked, it was uh, one nothing Vegas, and then you ended up going to Game Two. Yeah, Game Two in Vegas, my first time there at T-Mobile. Now I was there at T-Mobile before for the Conor McGregor. How about we just talked about Conor McGregor? The Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather fight. So we were. I was there, which we're going to talk about Mayweather in one second, which happened. But the point is that it was. I was there for the fight the first time. I was there. I don't really like the arena. It's really weird. It's in a great location, right on the strip. But there's nothing about this arena that's like, like it's like going to be torn down in ten to fifteen years. <laughs> like it's just going to be gone. There's. It's not a great. But um, I had a great seat. Uh, someone took me to it, and I was like dead center 24 rows up they have this bud light party deck on one side another or another so it was easy to go back in between the periods and get food and go to the restrooms and then come right back to your seat and uh everything that people said about it they do have the the the, the las vegas shows they have nights on the cool uh, the ice and they're battling with their with the they have the whole thing with the realm and I thought a little bit was, I hate to say this, a little cheesy. Like, I thought it was like, and I thought the fans were going to be a little louder. Like, I don't think, I think the Panther fans were louder, which I know that sounds crazy to say, but I just felt like it was, to me. Vegas has only been around six years. I'll tell you, you know who the last fans I saw in all my games? Tampa. Those fans were amazing. Like, I thought the Tampa fans were the loudest of, of that Tampa stadium mm -hmm. was, was, but I just felt like it was good, and I love going, and I should, people should go there. They have everything with a castle, and people dress like knights, and I love their colors, and I love everything about it. So it was good, and I enjoyed it there, but the game was was crazy. So yeah, it was a crazy game, and this is we brought it up last week that you really just see the Panthers have the ability to take twenty plus minutes off sometimes, and Vegas capitalizes almost every time that happens. Whereas Boston and Toronto couldn't do that, and that's what we're seeing in this series. And Game Two is one where they just got kind of buried early and had to just relinquish the game. Anytime you're you're taking your starting goalie who might win the uh you know might win the playoff MVP if you win this all out of the game you know things are not good well they were up 2-0 in the first period and uh and then Vegas, it was 1-0 and then Vegas killed a power play and then we had up 2-0 and then they were up then they scored two more made it 4-0 and uh then they pulled uh Bob uh, Bavowski after the game 7-10 in the third, second period so they just pulled him out there and it was like when a goalie's pulled he like sits on the bench with his baseball hat on it's like really depressing mm -hmm. and the people are like screaming at him and then at 4-0 to Chuck level Eichel it was a clean hit but this is what I said about Chuck is like he levels him with a hit and then he gets into another fight like you get in these fights and these I think if I'm not tell me if I'm wrong it seems like the official was saying look we want hard hitting we're okay with the hard hitting but stop it with after the play and I think that's where they're getting the the, the um, Panthers are getting in trouble because they want to do all this pushing and shoving and they're like okay we're just going to give you 10 minute majors he got a 10 minute major the first game 10 minute major two 10 minute majors the second game it's like we're tired of giving you know we're not going to have this game stop by all this pushing and shoving and I think that's well, there's a strategy from both sides. You know what, what happened on that play? Not only was Eichel's head not up. Eichel's one of the stars of Vegas, right. by the way. His head wasn't up. He looked up at the very last second and saw he's about to get trucked. Went to stop and his skate got caught. So he ended up falling forwards into the hit, making it look devastating, which it was devastating, completely legal. Um, the, the Vegas is going to go try to fight Kachuk after that. Some someone's going to go and protect Eichel. 
Kachuk has to walk away. You know, he has to just say, like, you know, that was a clean hit, leave me alone type of thing. That's not in his character. So then he gets in a fight as well. But it's also, that's part of the strategy from Vegas. Now we're taking their best player out of the game. It's not great when your best player likes to fight. Because <laughs> it's easy to goad him into fighting and getting him thrown out of the game or thrown in the box for 20 minutes. So, uh, you know, I can see where it goes from both sides. The, the smart thing for Kachuk would have been to do is put his head down and go back to the bench. But... That's not something that Matthew Kachuk does. Right. And then Jonathan Morisot, if I'm saying the name right, Morisot. Morisot. He, he, he was the, from the original Vegas team. Remember, the Vegas came six years ago. Bill Foley, the owner, he said. He came we're, from the Panthers. We're going <laughs> to. I didn't. Uh, in, a, in an inaugural team draft, you have protects on your team. Uh -huh. And Morisot was a, a guy that the Panthers could, just couldn't protect with everyone else they had to keep. So they took him from the Panthers. Wow. And then he. And then so, I mean, this is. So they finally. They said after they won, they reached it the first year, the final, they lost to Washington in five games. And now this is their team, their chance to do it, but they were, to, you know, at that point it was it was the most dominant start in 25 years, because in goals they were 12-4, you know, 5-2, 7-7, 7-2. But it was like, so I, I think you had a feeling that it's like, boy, Florida just, just ran out of gas. I mean, it, it, the series are seen, they're both 3-1 between the Heat, but it's like one team is, you look two at eight Vegas, seeds. <laughs> yeah, two A-seeds, and the other team that's winning looks like a much more talented team that is better, whatever, you know, except that Vegas has Aiden Hill, their goalie is a journeyman goalie, he's not the superstar goalie, you would say that Florida has the best goal, better goalie yeah. of the series. Yeah, but Bromsky's a Vezina winning goalie. He's a top, you know, top 10 in the league, whereas Aiden Hill wasn't the starter up until like a month before the end of the season, and now this guy's on a great run. I don't know if it's lack of offense from the Panthers. If you watch these games, they don't give up any shots from the slot, and the slot meaning in front of the net for about 20 feet. The Panthers have to take all shots from awkward angles. They're just saying, you're not coming into the slot at all. And it's hard to do that. They play good team defense. And if you look at the shots, shot quality that Vegas is getting compared to the Panthers, it's ridiculous because Vegas gets all these high-scoring chances and the Panthers don't, Might you know, as a testament maybe to the defense more than the goalie. Coming into game three, you're like, something's got to change here. And after this, we're leaving sunrise so we have to get a win at home and through a lot of this part of this game i'm like this is not good they're going to be on 3-0 but they played hard when they needed to and got a win on home ice yeah i mean i got that great seat so during warm-ups I, I mean i love the hockey warm-ups i mean it is they're flying at you like anyone who gets a chance you know i didn't realize that you don't have to have be sitting down there you can just come down to the seats walk up to the, but to you know like in a baseball game you think you're going to watch the legend seat to say i want to watch what <laughs> they're never really gonna, the, basketball you can't walk down there and mm -hmm. watch that but in hockey they like they say now go back to your seats like they're real nice about that and i thought so dan before the game they have a drum dan marino was banging the drum before the game they show tua who looks as they said tua looks like he's gained 25 pounds of muscle I mean, Good. he had a shirt on. He looked fantastic. Fans were going nuts. They do the realm thing, the announcement. Like, this first, it was the you know first time they've been back in years in terms of the Stanley Cup Finals since in 20 some years. And the first part, Florida scores on the Montour shot, makes it one nothing. They exchange penalties, and then Vegas scores, make it one one. And the second period, five minutes to go, Vegas on a power play, and Marshall scores that goal to two one. And uh, he became the it's completely the stat third player in 35 years to score in a, a goal in the first three games of the title series. That's crazy. Yeah, that, that was. That, was joining Yeiserman, uh, who did that. And then in the third period, so they're up 2-1. And now the fans are like, oh, you know, they're so nervous. And Florida's on a power play, seven minutes a game, they don't score. And then it goes the whole way. Like, that's what, also, this is where game three and game four were similar. At the end of the third period, it's like, there, every team has, has a chance. Like, it was going back and forth. And you're like, all you need is to get that one goal to tie. And then with 2.13 to go, I mean, it's like I, Florida pulls it out of nowhere. The game we were at, we saw. Yes. And again, to Chuck, it's like you would think they would knock him out in front of the, the goal and just get rid of him. And he scores again to tie. It's the advantage of having an extra guy. You know, they they pull Bob at that point. They have an extra skater. Couldn't D Kachuk. And he, I mean, he'd been really quiet in the first two games and through almost 90% of game three, but then quiet scoring wise, I should say not penalty box wise and fighting wise did what he had to do to, to give this game, uh, you know, a tie up here with, you know, minutes to go, seconds to go. Well, like two minutes to go. And then with, with 11 seconds to go, Vegas got, uh, they drew it up a penalty from Florida. So now there's like 11 seconds to go on a power play, but then, you know, going into overtime, they're going to start the overtime in a, on a power play. And like Vegas is, and fans are going nuts. And, and they're during the break. Everyone's complaining. They're yelling. They're this, they're that. They're all upset. They're booing the refs. It was a ticky tackle. They're, they're going nuts for this. But then they, they kill the penalty and Carter Verhege goes, 
goes and scores early on in the overtime and wins, and the place went absolutely nuts. There was more, the rats were flying all over the place. It was chaos. People were hugging, kissing, crying, everything. It was their first, it was, it was amazing. It was their first playoff win. So it was Stanley Cup final Yeah, win. first Stanley Cup final win since the last time they were there in 96. No, but this, yeah, it's like you said, me watching from my couch was like, this minute and uh, 49 seconds that we're going to have to deal with at the start OT is going to be brutal. They shut it down, scored a minute later. is absolutely fantastic. One thing to note from that game, 11 power plays. That was just a, a messy game. And you, you're thinking, okay, in game four, we have to close this down. And that's exactly what happened. One penalty in, reg- in regulation in this one. But let's talk about it because this was a game where, I, again, I felt like the Panthers for two periods didn't look good. And then they're a totally different team in the third period. Didn't have enough to win, but they still looked like a, uh, it looked like a revelation. <laughs> That's right. Well, one of them, I do want to bash StubHub for this. I mean, I don't think I'm ever going to use them again because I used to be able to buy on StubHub if you don't get a ticket. Like, they, they you order it. And I saw on Ticketmaster the same ticket. It was gone. I bought on StubHub. And then when I bought it, they like an out. They go, I called. I noticed, realized I didn't get the ticket instantaneously. It took a while. Then I'm like getting nervous. I called them. I'm like, well, you have to wait another hour or half an hour. So now I'm like, now it's like towards before the game. I have to drive there. And finally, they like, well, you're not going to get the ticket. And I'm like, well, are you going to get me another ticket? And usually I'm a top buyer. I go to Zillion Sporting Events, but they don't have that service anymore. So like, well, we'll see. We don't know. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want my refund. But by doing that, then the prices skyrocket. And then you're not going to get it. Like, this is not works out well. Like, I've had problems before with some of And they're like, oh, Mr. Kaufman, we'll figure this all out. Especially with your account history. Oh, my God. (laughs) But now I can't use it. So then I had to go. And then I start to drive. I get there. And then I go on Ticketmaster, see a ticket. I was so lucky. They have these weird sections in this arena that are more like folding chair sections up there and I was able to get one in there which was great so no one blocked my view like I wanted to be for hockey because I was mad because I had some great pictures of the other games but when they score everyone stands up and they're faster than I am and then I get like blocked so I like the fact that even though I was up higher I got to see the row and the people around me were so fun like everyone in the group was like it's like your own little private box with 11 people and they were all joking around had a great time and so it was really it was good I like that that was a fun it was fun to be up there for that so well, you can see the pictures at Iron Sports, and what Ira's referring to is you can see a play develop in hockey, and everyone stands up once they see a play develop, and it's probably two or three seconds before the actual goal. So it completely throws off. Yeah, your so I have pictures with like the backs of someone's, <laughs> you know, because I can't stand up faster than these other people. Do. So the uh, in the first period, I mean, this was a weird game. One minute into the game, uh, Vegas scores, makes it one nothing. Then the second period, they score again. Chandler Stevenson make it two zero, and then with like a, a few minutes later, they score again. Carlson scores, makes it three zero, and it was. It was not just 3-0. It should have been like 8-0. It seemed like it seemed like Florida took the entire first two periods off. They weren't getting any chances. Bobrovsky was making save after yes, save was. after save after save. And you're like, look at 3-0. This should be 6-7-0. You know, uh, he was just making amazing saves. And then at the end, the key was Montour's goal at the end of the second period to make it 3-1. Because you don't want to go into the third period, the whole break, and be down 3. Now you're only down 2. Third period starts. And in 3-50 in, Barkov scores and then makes it 3-2. And then you're like, oh. God, it's 3-2. Now this is going to be just like the last game. And there were chances both ways. I mean, Barbowski had the save where Vegas, I'm right, right in front of me, like well, down low, but I, mean, I was up higher, but I looked, I mean, it was like standing, someone was right in front and just took a big slap shot and he was, I, I don't know how he was able to block that. But Vegas had their chances and Florida had their chances and Vegas had their chances and Florida had their chances. You're just waiting for someone to score. And it then it comes down that last, like 18 seconds, uh, Vegas got a delay of game penalty. So they were on it. They were you know, man at disadvantage. And then they pulled the goalie and Florida pulls the goalie. So now you're have a, it was a six, six four, on four, six on four advantage. And they, they could, so Chuck had it on his stage yeah. and, and they don't score. And then Kachuk and Bennett both had chances in with two seconds left. Right. And then they don't score. And people waited to see that, that the game was over. Then they threw everything possibly imaginable on the ice. Then there's fighting on the ice. It was like slap shot out of, you know, the Johnstown. <laughs> like they're pounding. I got great pictures and videos of it. It was chaos through all over them about all the fighting and everything on it. I is- have no doubt in my mind if there was a minute 18 left and not. 18 seconds, Panthers tie that game. I mean, they were just pounding on the door for that entire final minute or so than the power play. But yeah, time ran out on them. That That's what you someone, get for playing what, terrible for two periods. One of my friends, one of the guys that was a Vegas person up there said that they thought that was a smart move. The delay a game was actually getting, you know, even though they took a penalty on that thing, it they was like, rest. that they had to rest. They had to stop this. It was like, it was, it was they said it was a smart move. Well, that's move. why there's delay of game. And for anyone who's not, who doesn't know how you get a delay of game in hockey, you know, it's not like football. It's when you're in your own zone and you shoot the puck out of the arena. 
And there could be lots of situations where teams could do this just to get a stoppage. So it's a delay of game. It's a two-minute penalty. You come out for doing that. And that's exactly he, – he's not wrong. I mean, he lets you get reset. If there was a minute left, it'd be crazy. With 18 seconds, not as not as crazy. Your team wins the face-off. You could clear it. It's basically the game's over. Who do you think – I'll say, before we go to the next subject, who do you think has a better chance to come back from 3-1, the Panthers? Or the Panthers. The pan- then the Heat. That's- yeah, I do. Just because hockey, as we've seen all playoffs long, any team can win any and game. And they have the better goalie. And they have the better goalie. Another thing that's interesting and maybe could help them is that Alexander Barkov, who's really the best player on this team because he's much more um, uh, playmaking oriented than Kachuk, that was his first point of the Stanley Cup. This is a guy who scores 100-plus points a season, hadn't scored yet. So hadn't have a point yet, no assists, no goals. If Barkov can get going and Kachuk can keep up the pace they he's say on. They is injured, but you got to think Kachuk's going to play. There's no way he's he doesn't playing. play this game. Without, without a doubt. These guys could have a, a, a surgically repaired knee <laughs> yesterday. They're, they're playing <laughs> these games, without a doubt. Um, it's Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel. It's 747 on Mike Balsamo. Let's go to tennis, and I believe that uh, Djokovic, with this win, is now the all-time leading um, majors winner or uh, major winner. Major yes. winner. So congratulations to Djokovic, and especially because he had to what, basically take a year and a half off or miss certain majors for for two years. Right. Well, Djokovic is from Serbia, and Djokovic is from Serbia, and so now you have the Serbians are dominating the sports world. But he beat Kasparov seven six six three seven five. He was down three zero in the first. Started out slow in Sunday morning, and then he just went four one. Then it was tiebreaker. It was six six, and then he won six seven. He easily won the tiebreaker. Cruised to the rest of the match, um, and won. And the first, it was so funny. At the last point, Tom Brady is has this video. Like I have my little camera. Tom Brady's taking the pictures of him winning, <laughs> which is pretty cool. And Zoltan was there. Mbappe was there. All these. Celebrities Celebrities and, and Djokovic um, in the semis, the key was he, he went against Alcaraz. It's only the second time they've ever played, only the first time in a major. Djokovic won the first at 6 3, lost the second 7 5 7. And you're like, okay, I'm going to be like a five hour, six hour match. Alcaraz, and then Alcaraz at 2 1 starts cramping up. Remember, Alcaraz is 20 years old. Djokovic's like 36 years old. Alcaraz starts cramping up. He's having trouble. He literally could not move his feet. At one point, he sat down and they called the points. They said, game, point, point, point. He couldn't even stand up, so he kept getting points. I thought he should have just sat there the whole set and rested, but he could not recover. He came out. He's luckily he you know felt that they had to still play, and he lost six one six one the final two sets. But that is where you know that whole the uh, rune the other star young player who is nineteen years old has these cramps with his legs too. You know it's just he has all, they show Alcaraz with his entire team all these people. It's like man, you've got to figure out a way not to cramp up your legs. And you know what he said afterwards? The worst thing was he says I cramped down not because of my nutrition. I just because guy got nervous. I'm like you're number one in the world. You won the U.S. Yeah. Open last year. You can't get nervous but that gives you that gives uh Djokovic you know thought for going more but now Djokovic's won 23 majors Nadal 22 Federer won 20 remember before they started playing Sampras had the record at 14 14 was the record for so many years and then now three you know, people now, three people are way ahead of that Djokovic's won 10 Australians which is the most three in the French through seven Wimbledon Federer has eight three of the U.S. Open um, remember, in 2017, he had elbow surgery. He had 111, and after that, he won two in 2018. People thought his career was over with the elbow surgery. He came back with two in 2018, two, 2019, two, and 2021 Australia. Wimbledon was canceled. Then he went to the U.S. Open, oh, which he would have won easily. He's won so many. He hasn't lost a Wimbledon in like eight years. And then the U.S. Open, he was disqualified because he hit a ball back and hit that, that lines up, which I thought was ridiculous. It just mm-hmm. sprayed her, and they defaulted him from the whole tournament. And then he ended up in 2022 being banned in Australia. Australia and banned at the U.S. Open for not taking the vaccine. So those are four of the majors. He probably would have 27 by now. And uh, if you compare him to Federer, he's now won. Um, his overall record is 27 and 23. They played 50 times. And uh, he has won three finals in the over Federer. I love Federer. I think he's phenomenal. But if you look at the records, eventually Djokovic, now he's passed him. He's at 23. Federer's at 20. Again, Federer and Nadal in any other sport were considered the goat of all goats. They just happen to have this sport where you have these three great ones at the same time. And against Nadal, it's it's a little closer. He's only one more a major. It's thirty to twenty nine in overall matches. And uh, but Nadal has been his record at French Open is one hundred and twelve and three, which is just amazing. And Djokovic's been of the three. It's three, two of them where Djokovic beat him. Of so course. that was, and and in the major finals, uh, he's 7-11. So again, I think Nadal, who's been injured, think he's going to come back. But the thought is that Djokovic is getting stronger. Now, he's going to go to Wimbledon next in three weeks. Um, he's going to be one of the heaviest favorites. Tiger was never this favorite in going to a tournament. He's dominated Wimbledon. I can't see anyone close. These younger players don't even play on grass. A lot of them because of suspensions, because they weren't playing. They were Russian. They weren't allowed to play, or they did play hold it the one year. He has experience on it. 
Other players like Kyrgyz, who played in the finals, is injured. Uh, Berrettini's injured. Um, I, I mean, he is a lock to win. But I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you to make this bet. Please make this bet. What? Karen Hotchnov, who played well against him in the French Open, who he lost, who actually gave him his best match. I think that if he's on the other side of the draw, bet him to go to the finals. I'm telling you, bet everything on Karen Hotchnov. I think his game is suited perfectly for Wimbledon, and I think he is. I think he's not going to beat Djokovic. No one will beat Djokovic, but if he can get, I think he beats everybody else and gets to the final. Wimbledon is a way to make a lot of money because it's like playing. It's like saying you're going to take basketball and play in the pool. It's totally different <laughs> from other tennis. It's not clay. It's not. It's not hard courts. They play on grass, and these players never play except two weeks out of the year. So you're going to see, oh, he's a one seed and he's 200th in the world. It doesn't matter. The 200 player can beat the number 100 player in the world. It just matters if they have a good serve and if they return serve well. It's a completely different game. But Djokovic, of course, is great at everything, and so that's why he's number one of all time. Maybe Carlos Alcaraz needs some of that Conor McGregor title. Yes, spray. that's what he would need. <laughs> and also, Iga Swiatek won, uh, beating Caroline Bachova in three sets. She's now one. She's only 22 years old and now won four Grand Slams. She beat Coco Golf in the quarter, 6-4, 6-2, and Wimbledon is next. So I think it was Wednesday morning. It could have been Tuesday. I'm getting stuff ready around my house. I'm getting my kid ready to, to take him to school and all that. And I get a text from you that says PGA and Liv just merged. And I'm like, is Ira drunk at 7.38 in the morning? What is good? There's no way this is true. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And I could, I think that golf's never been murkier than it is right now. Everyone who I talk to has a different opinion on what this actually means and what's going to happen. Well, we predicted it, though. I said there was no way PGA. But all PGA had to do was say, let Liv do their thing, and the golfers can still play. But what happened is the PGA, Jay Monahan, said, we're going to have to match what Liv does. So when Liv started paying all these golfers all this money and paying all this, and they're like, oh, we're going to pay our tournaments $30 million. But no one called the sponsors to say, are you going to pony up more money? That's why the Honda Classic, it's like, okay, we're okay paying five, six million a year or whatever. We're not paying 10, 15 million dollars. So the sponsors didn't want, but and they realized they couldn't match and pay these monies. They promised these players they'd pay all this thing. And they're like, we're going to have no cut and this type of thing. And then, and then the other thing is there is antitrust legal issues, but as I felt the PGA was, it's one thing, it's like, we're a club and we don't want you, you want to leave our club, you can't play with our club. But then these majors, we're not going to let you play. We're going to do everything to stop you getting points. You can play in the major so it seemed like, okay, well, you want to join my club, but you're not going to let you join any other club. and not going to go to these restaurants or these events. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, was they were stepping way over the line doing all that. And they're like, oh, we couldn't win this legal fight and all this other stuff. But again, now, but the whole thing was, this is blood money. This is Saudi Arabia. You can't take the money. They're evil. They, the, Dustin Johnson loses the sponsorship. Uh, uh, Bryson DeChambeau loses the sponsorship. Jay Monahan was mentioning 9-11 and stuff like that. All, all this yeah. other stuff. The, everything is gone. And now they're taking the money. So yeah. if it, so now the PGA is taking all the money because what happened is that like oh they said instead of spending the money with Liv, can you just give it to the PGA? We're going to spend all the money with this, and now all the money now Rory then but Jim Dunn who negotiated this, Jimmy Dunn who's from uh, he used to run uh, Seminole and uh, he worked at Piper Sailor, which I think like fifty of his employees when he worked there perished in 9/11, and he was out at a golf tournament trying to qualify. So he he certainly had a connection in terms of 9/11, but he brokered this deal with the head of the Saudi fund Yas. The uh, uh, the Yasser of Mayim, who runs the P and he put this together, but it is not on paper. Like people, again, it's not clear. Like is lived here, is lived not here, and then you read Tom D'Angelo's column today, and it's like, well, live lost. Jay Monahan's in charge. But everyone who knows anything about business knows the person who's spending the money has the control. Yeah. Like, that's what it means. And, it, and it's like, if the PGA walked away now, then they then the other golfers would just say, wait a second, you just said, okay, we're gonna, we're not going to be with Liv. We're, not gonna, we're, we're breaking the deal. Nothing's been signed. Well, yes, but then uh, why am I so bad if I sign with them? Now, I can't be criticized. You guys just signed with them. So really, they have they can't back out. Liv could walk out any day they want but because they'll sign every other of the golfers. So I think it was one of those things where we're still trying to figure out who in charge, but clearly the person with the money is the Saudis who are who are running this, and they're one. And they all told, they called all their golfers and said, "Look, we're still going to do live, we're still going to do a tour." I think you're seeing some misinformation, but I don't think the PJ can back out of this. Like if they do, they're going to look. They're, they already look like hypocrites, but then they can't tell golfers they can't go to live because oh, you're going to be in business with Saudi Arabia. Well, they themselves are in business with Saudi. Arabia. <laughs> they're the ones right now that's going to fund all this. And Rory and like they made these statements like, "Oh, Dustin and Brooks, if they want to come back, they'll have to go through double secret probation." And suspensions. I'm like, no, they're not. Like, yeah. If the Saudis are funding this, they want these players. It's like saying to the Chiefs, well, you can't have Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey. Like, no, we want them. We want yeah. them to play. That's what we want. The, the whole thing makes no sense. And then 
you know, you got to feel bad for the golfers that stuck, you know, stood their ground, quote unquote, for the PGA Tour, and then just got burned by Jay Monahan and them just going to join up with them anyway. And they passed up on hundreds of millions of dollars in some case. Some of these golfers, guys like John Rahm, I would have liked to have been there at that meeting when uh, when <laughs> Monahan actually like sat down with the players and they said they were cursing at him. You know, it was a total disaster. So. This whole thing blew up in their face, and I, I kind of think the PGA Tour deserves it for how they handled this the entire way. Uh, totally. They should have just from day one should have said the golfers, and and, and also to, to badmouth these golfers like they did. The, the have Brandel Chambly and everyone criticized these golfers on the Golf Channel. That was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. If they want to go to tour, they go to tour. And so they're, they're, I, in the end, what I think is going to happen, I think the, it's going to be Liv is going to control the thing. I, I, but that, we'll see how it works out. But I don't think the beach, I don't, I don't think Jay Monahan is going to be running anything a year from now. We'll be sitting here. Jay Monahan is not, he'll be doing another sport somewhere. He'll take his golden parachute somewhere <laughs> far away. Um, <laughs> Royal Canadian Open over the weekend. And for the first time since like the sick 1960s, a Canadian actually won it. Congrats to Nick Taylor. And people were watching this. I mean, it went on forever. It was four playoff holes against Tommy Fleetwood. And he made, on the fourth playoff hole, he made a 72-foot putt, which was it unbelievable. It was un- unreal. And, and I think the most exciting thing was Adam Hadwin. We're talking about all these fights. Adam Hadwin is a golfer, a professional golfer who's from Canada. So you had Mike Weir. All the professional Canadian golfers were like so into this. And he's standing on the green, like celebrating some security guys. Totally wiped him out. Crushed. Like harder than Chuck and yeah. Michael. I mean, it was like that. So I mean, you have these crazy events with a ma- Conor McGregor hitting mascots, pro golfers getting knocked out on greens. This has been the craziest week of all time. So moving into the uh, U.S. Open, it's going to be at L.A. Country Club. We've been riding the Brooks Kepka train, and finally Vegas caught up to that. Like, we can't just let Kepka be 25-1, to 1, even though he plays on live. But I still think there's some value out there. So let's talk about what we're looking at here going into this. Well, Scheffler's 6-1, to one, but he hasn't played well the last couple of weeks, but you can't never bet against him. And just Ro- bet him top five. <laughs> and Rahm is 8-1, to one, and Brooks is 8. They made Brooks 8.5-1, to one, which I think is great because Brooks, considering that he's finished third and first the last two majors, probably should be if he wasn't a live like 5-1. to one. But at 8.5, not that great a deal. But they paid Rory at 11-1. to one. Like, that's impossible. Like he's yeah, not- Rory can't close out a Sunday of at events with nobody. Yeah. Open, at the Canadian Open. And then you got Justin Thomas at 25-1, to one, Jordan's 25 to one, but who I love is Cam Smith at 25 to one. I mean, Cam Smith, you get that's that's value to get Cam Smith the grant from. I'm, I'm just picking live golfers. But Dustin Johnson is at 28 to one. Now Dustin Johnson plays well. Remember, they're playing. They play a different type of grass in California in the LA Country Club. But he does well with the Genesis. I really think that 28 to one. That's who I. I, I mean, if you were looking for value, and Bryson DeChambeau at 40 to one, yeah. he's back. Like he, I don't understand <laughs> this 40. When he was a few years ago at the top of his game, he was getting these. He was five to one and six to yeah, one. He'd be second or third. And choice. then you know what? They everybody hates Patrick Reed. He might be the most hated person, but he's at 85 to one, and he's now been in the top 20 at the two majors like bet him at 85 to 1 like that is ridiculous mm. he's won the masters like yeah, that, Nick Taylor was 70 to 1 and then, the and, then, and, then, and then you know what throw money on, on Phil Mickelson is 150 to 1 like just I mean he's all oh, he's relaxed he won like throw it on him but Patrick Reed I, again I keep betting the live golfers so not a ton of time left here Ira but massive news a, a huge win for South Florida Inter-Miami is bringing in arguably the greatest soccer player of all time, Lionel Messi. And a lot of people that aren't you are saying, we turned down a lot of money to go play in Saudi Arabia. Smart people like you have a different theory on this, and you talked about it on last week's show. I did. When you're a superstar, the point is the value of companies that you have. Like, if you ran a business, do you take a salary? It's like, oh, you don't take a lot of salary out. Why aren't you living a salary? It's because you invest your money in yourself, in your business, and then you sell your business. He is now, so what? He turned down hundreds of million dollars in Saudi Arabia. He's making $50 million from Barcelona, part uh, he could have got from that, but he goes to America and look what he get. He's going to get an ownership of the team. He's going to get an own. Adidas is giving him his own brand where he can go and probably make that a billion dollars. And then Apple is giving him streaming rights because they own the streaming rights. So he's going to control the streaming rights. So you add that all up, and we're talking maybe a billion dollars. So to me, he's not giving up a dime. I think he's making money, and he loves living in Miami. And doesn't you know? It doesn't mean her, people don't not everybody doesn't know who he is when he walks around. Even though I pretty much think people in Miami will still know who he is. Well, he's, he's like my height. He stands out. <laughs> and. Uh, uh, and uh, but it's like Miami is five wins and eleven losses. They're, they're having not been a good year. But I think the point is that the World Cup is here in two years. He's going to build up to the World Cup, and he's coming. He's not like Beckham, who got there came here older. Even Pele, when he was older, he's coming and he's still thirty-five. He just was won the World Cup, and his viewed as scored you know one of the top players in all of the world. I think that's great that he decided to come here. And I think again, soccer and now soccer is better with thirty teams with good stadiums. Everything is sold out. Look at the soccer prices for normal soccer games are like a thousand dollars to get. 
get in. So this was a great move. I give everybody at, uh, at the Inter-Miami credit for the MLS credit, smart moves, great thing. And I give Messi credit. I think he realizes where this is going. And if he wants to become a super billionaire, this is how to do it. You want to hear an example of Messi's effect on this league? So LA Galaxy, their opener, opening game, the cheapest ticket is $28. Later in the season when they play Inter-Miami, the cheapest ticket's $484. <laughs> little bit of an example on what how Messi moves the needle. UFC, one of the greatest of all time to do it uh, from the ladies' side, or the greatest to do it all time from the ladies' side, is calling it quits. Yeah, Amanda Nudas, she came to the UFC in 2013 after 10 fights. She lost one of her first fights in it, but since she won in 2016 against Misha Tate, and then in 2016, she destroyed Ronda Rousey in 48 seconds, which is one of the most, I mean, Rousey had lost before, but it was just an She lost a home before that, but and, nobody saw that And then coming. she went against Chris Cyborg, who people thought was the was unbeatable, unbeatable Chris Cyborg. She beat her in 51 seconds, and then she just beat everybody else, and then more wins, and she only lost a, a couple of matches ago. She lost Julian Pena. We talked about this, one of the weirdest losses where she almost like lost on purpose, and then she came back and destroyed destroyed her the next fight, then she then she won last night. So she has defended her time to the last seven years, 10 defenses. She has two divisions. She is by far the greatest women's UFC fighter. She'll, it'll, be, it'll be impossible to think that someone's ever going to be viewed as better than Amanda Nunes. She's going to have, she's clearly, and, and she retires and she's happy for it and that's great. But she really helped. I mean, it's amazing. And who would ever thought that, now Rousey, I give credit for starting this, but what women would, would carry a card um, when you think of women's sports. Of all, people talk about women's sports. I think women's UFC fighting is the top women's sports. The fact that they can actually carry a pay-per-view card. So Belmont Stakes is in the books. It's always less exciting when there's no triple oh. crown on the line. That's the case of this one. But I think the biggest story here is that uh, Jenna Antonucci is the first female trainer to win at Belmont with her horse, Archangelo. Yeah, it was one of those races where Angelo came, national treasure, the Preakness winger, winner, uh, led the race until the final furlong. And then Forte was came up, who was the favorite, challenging Archangelo. But Archangelo hung on to win. Remember, May who won the Derby but was third in the Preakness did run in this race and I was looking through you know I have been to I think 16 Belmonts at 97 you know when I was at Silver Charm Real Choir Charismatic War Emblem Funny Side Smarty Jones Big Brown all the chances all horses that are chances to win the Triple Crown and I was there for American Pharaoh in 2015 and Justify in 2018 I mean that was the loudest two minutes I've ever seen at a sporting event when you have 110,000 people going crazy for American Pharaoh and Justify to finally win that but uh, it We'll see what you know. It was it was it was a it was a good race, and the fact that forty. It's a shame that forty couldn't run in the Kentucky Derby because you can see with the challenge how great forty was. But it was it was an excellent race. We'll get to see Forte in the Breeders' Cup in November. I'm looking forward to that. What's your plans this week, Ira? I this is my plans. Thursday, I'm going to go to see Miami Heat, and the Miami Heat are going to play the Denver Nuggets in Game 6 in Kaseya Center. And then Friday, I'll go to Sunrise, and I'm going to see the Vegas like Golden Knights. And that's what we're going to That's the plan. The plan is Thursday and Friday, I'm going to see two Game 6s in Florida. I can't wait, and I'm going to do back-to-back, -back because that'd be great to see two Game 6s back-to-back. And then I'll go, and then I would do the double, which is the two Game 7s back-to-back. So I would go to Game 7 on Sunday in Denver and Game 7 on Monday in Vegas. Don't forget, at Iron Sports, you can follow along as well. We're out of time. On behalf of Ira, I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night, Iron Sports.